In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. I'm here with my co-host, Jack. Jack, it's our 50th show, mate. How are you? The big 5-0. We're finally here. It's been great. Um, I'm amazed it's gone so quick. I just want to say massive thank you to everyone that's been uh, putting up with us, listening to us, uh, interacting with us on Twitter, giving us advice on how to make the shows better. Um, and all the guests that have come on, if you'd have told me we'd have had some of these guests um, when we started, um, I'd have laughed at you in all honesty. And uh, no, just a massive thank you. Mate, you sound surprised by my... Uh... Ability to get guests on the show, mate. Yeah, Mark Mark um, Sessler, obviously being a big name outside of the Browns, um, and Eric Metcalf, obviously, were big surprises. I thought we might be able to pull off the likes of Pete Smith, Jake Burns, who big fans of, um, but obviously people we've interacted with for a long time on Twitter. Yeah, great. All right, perfect. Well, look, I know for a fact we have got a loads of huge more guests coming on the show, mate. Some absolutely massive guests um, are all in the pipeline. And watch your space, mate. So uh, you will be surprised who I'm going to get on very soon. In a good way or a bad way? <laughs> Bit of both, innit? <laughs> I can tell you, people like Cleveland Browns Daily, uh, all the other podcasts out there, we will not be having guests like we're about to get on this show. Bold. Bold. Yeah. So my mum's on a Monday. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then my dad on Tuesday. No, okay. Um, All right, great. So 50th episode. And let's announce what we're going to do, Jack. Every week, we've noticed that me and you don't really communicate that much. So... It's not a bad thing. No, I'm joking. So we are going to do a show every week, the Paul and Jack show. Paul and Jack show. I like it. We're launching it on our 50th uh, anniversary. Um, it's, what a time to be alive. Well, should we call it the Jack and Paul show? I think Paul and Jack just comes off the tongue a bit better. Thanks for the offer of putting me first, but uh, it just, it's, it's got a better ring to it. Or if you put up a Twitter poll, how about that? Mate, there's a Twitter poll up at the moment about shall we lose uh, body part to win the Super Bowls? And yeah, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not quite happy about the results at the moment. So uh, uh, I, think, um, I think more people want it, but there's quite a few people who don't like the question. It's getting a bit boring. So uh, we've got to work on that as well. So all right, change is coming. The podcast is changing. We're taking in all that feedback. Um, we're being honest with ourselves listening to people and making them changes. We're basically like Hugh Jackson, mate. Hugh Jackson, heard in the crowd. Baker, Baker, Baker. And then before you knew it, Oni came. 
I don't really think it's Hugh's choice. If Hugh's had his way, then uh, no one other than Hugh Jackson would know how awesome Baker is. And my question is, how on earth has he been sat there watching what we've been watching on game day, watching even more in practice, and still believed in his heart of heart that Tyrod Taylor is better than Baker Mayfield? The guy's an idiot. All right, Jack. I want you to hear me out on this view, okay? And my opinion, okay? Now, listen, be sensible for one second, okay? Oh, you are actually quite sensible. You're a lot more sensible than me. But um, Hugh Jackson, okay, was it a great strategic move that he took all the pressure off Baker during preseason because he knew how talented Baker was and then put it on um, get uh, uh, Tyrod to start. And then when that moment came, when he ever got injured, Mayfield would have no pressure, come on and play his best. Do you think that was potentially Hugh Jackson's greatest strategy? No, and the fact is Hugh Jackson's came out and uh, shown that that wasn't the strategy when he said in the post-match interview that it's amazing how well Baker Mayfield's done considering I've given him no time to prepare for this, um, which was just, it's just up there with the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. When you're going out there going, my rookie shouldn't have been able to perform like that because I've done everything I can to hinder his development. Um, it's just bizarre. And there's lots of people thrown around, the Patrick Mahomes, the um, Aaron Rodgers sat. And let's look at the quarterbacks they sat behind. Alex Smith. People were throwing around MVP at some point that season, last year, and they went to the playoffs. Brett Favre had a very successful career. And... The people really putting Tyrod Taylor in the bracket with Alex Smith last season and Brett Favre. It's just nonsense. And let's look at Russell Wilson, a quarterback that I was very, very excited about when he came out of college and nearly ended up, I'll be honest, nearly ended up a Seahawks fan. But um, you look at what he managed to achieve with a top 10 defense around him, came in week one and lit it up. They went to the playoffs. And if... Hugh, I've got no issue with what Hugh did right early on in the season, said Tyrod's our starter, 100%. It was the right move. But then you've got to be able to look across them preseason games. And by game three, you should have gone, actually, Tyrod's not very good. Baker's doing well. Either you make the move then or you wait until halftime in game one and you bring in Baker. And if we'd have done that, we'd be 3-0 and and potentially on our way to the playoffs. I think you've got to remember last season, though, Jack, is because Kaiser came in, I, I think, like the third and fourth game and looked awesome. And then he backed Kaiser. And then was it game week two? He's, he's taken him off at half time. I think that's what sc scares Hugh from like making that same mistake again. Oh, I can understand where the fear is, but Deshaun Kaiser and Baker Mayfield are very, very different players. Um, and also, it's not like we had another option. Um, Tyrod Taylor was not getting it done. So I'd got no issue with I'd have liked to see the move, and I was calling for people to make the move in week three of preseason. But half-time in that first game, the signs were there. Tyrod couldn't produce. Give Baker a shot. And if there's one person connected to the Browns that needs the Browns to win every single game they can, it's Hugh Jackson. And... If he's looking at Baker and Tyrod and couldn't work out which one's more like to give him a win after week one and after week two, 
I just I don't get his thought process. He needs wins because if we're not winning games, he's getting sacked. All right, Jack. Well, here we go, mate. Hugh, obviously this is a pro Hugh show. Um, 51.49, share rights. Come on, Jack. Anyway, um, so Hugh, right? He's, he's only lost one game. He's tied one. one. He's only lost one game. Yeah, he's three games. Us, lost one. He's cost us two games. Oh, I'll get excited about Hugh here. Um, there's one thing I've, I've got to say is, okay, Hugh is on the line, okay, for his job at the moment. Yeah. Why is he picking this rookie kicker? He's just lost two games because of the kicker. You think you just guaranteed to get the safest kicker you possibly could at this stage? No, because a decision like that's got nothing really to do with Hugh. Uh-huh. Um, it's a pure Dorsey call. Um, so, Dorsey... I, I thought it was a bizarre call. I, I'm going to be honest. I, I wasn't a big fan of bringing him in when he's got questionable stats in college. I would have much rather spent a bit of money and just brought in someone that's seen as safer, um, whether it's Santos, whether it's someone else. Um, I didn't like him, um, if I'm going to be honest. I know he completed both of them, but for me, the, um, that first one, it reminded me of something like Cristiano Ronaldo would do, of bending it round the wall to get it in the top corner. And Carlos, it's a field goal. Carlos goal. That famous Brazilian uh, Roberto Carlos, where he just goes so wide and then cuts straight in. Oh, I, I, I prefer to go with Michael Essien when he had that one against Arsenal. That was Man, I was at the game. I was, was at the game. I was in the game. I was in that stand looking at it and it looked like it was going out for a uh, throw-in at first. And then what, it just, what stand were you in? I was in the East Stand lower. Mate, I was East Stand Upper, so I was right behind it, and it went. Boom. When it left his foot, I honestly, hand on heart, thought it was going for a um, throw-in. It was going that far wide, and it just bent. But uh, it was. I don't want my kicker doing trick shots um, in the game, so I'd rather he just kicked it. But I did like the going for two points. Going for two points, we should do it every single time. It's better, you convert more, and you get more points. And points make wins. All right, I'm going to park you on the second point thing, so I've still got to talk more about this uh, uh, kicker. Now, here's a hot take for you, okay? Do you think Dorsey picked the worst kicker he possibly could to give Hugh the elbow? Um, yes and no. Dorsey's not making moves for Hugh, and I think the Gordon one was a perfect example of that, because short-term, we'd be better with Josh Gordon on our roster um, you saw how excited he was when he was running around. The big fishers landed. It, it was cringeworthy uh, during hard knocks. But Dorsey is there trying to win long-term. Um, win this season, but win long-term. And I think there's that balance of Hugh wants, needs to win, whereas Dorsey doesn't bother him. If Dor- we lose a few games, but it's better for us in the long run, it's better for Dorsey because Dorsey's there to try win a Super Bowl. Hugh's there to try keep his job. So, do you think um, Dorsey this season's in a win-win situation? Lose Hugh, he's happy. If Hugh stays, fine. Yeah, I, I think um, you're probably more looking at Haley um, is auditioning for the head coaching job. Hugh's just trying to build up a good resume because more or less there's a good chance he'll get moved on, and then he wants to 
do well in that next job and probably get a offensive coordinator job somewhere else. Um, but no, people are auditioning. And the, the thing that winds me up is, will Dorsey get the call next time? And I know he's not appointed a head coach before, but I have much more confidence in Dorsey choosing them than the Haslam's. Okay. And, yeah, Dorsey, um, he's done all right in the draft pick so far. We, I know we're only, we're only three games in, okay? But he's done, he's done all right. So, yeah? he, he had an amazing day one. Really, really good. Day three has shown real promise. Obviously, Callaway has still got boom-bust potential of you don't know if he's going to go out and have a party um, or he's going to get his head down and play. Um, on plays, there's been ones that are really good. There's ones that haven't been good. Um, Gennard Avery is just wow. Um, incredible. I, I don't really care about sixth and seventh round picks, so I've got no issue with them. Um, both be, it'll being questionable, but who really cares that far down? What I have a real issue with is what on earth is he doing with day two picks? And let's just go through the four we've used this year. Chubb. I think he can be great, but he's a running back. Corbett has just been a mess. We didn't need a guard. So if you were going to take one, I wanted someone to be out of this world good. And I think he can get there, but it wasn't a good pick. Simeon Thomas. They're not Simeon Thomas. Um, Thomas. Uh, Chad Thomas. Chad Thomas. It's not really done anything. They seem to be doing everything they can to keep him off there. And the worst one out of them, hands down, 16 million, a third round pick. Tyrod Taylor. It's just bust potential through the roof. And it's incredible how bad that pick is and it will get brushed over because it wasn't done in the draft and it was a trade but it's an insanely bad move when I was out there banging the drum for Teddy Bridgewater from day one um, we could have had him paid him a million and then traded him off for another pick by now um, if Baker showed good promise so I think Tyrod Taylor will go down as the worst ever pick in the last 10 years for the Cleveland Browns all right, Jack, you can re-quote this afterwards as your hot take, okay? Um, but, mate, let's, let's think about this in more detail, okay? Will uh, Teddy have come to the Browns? What we yeah. did with Taylor, what we did with, uh, um, with uh, Taylor, uh, Taylor was basically bully hired him. We, get, we had to give a pick to get him and guaranteed him to come. Yeah. But would we have got Teddy... I think we would have got Teddy because he was paid six million, um, low guarantees. He was basically just out there looking for a job because of his injury. He obviously just doing one year and having a rookie um, because everyone knew the Jets were taking a quarterback in the first round. Um, I think we could have easily done it. Yeah, it might have cost us 10 million with 5 million of it guaranteed. Um, but we, we could have got him. Um, a deal could have been done. Um, but anyone, in all honesty, I was happy just to go out there and get that solid person. It wouldn't have bothered me that much if it was Drew Stanton um, or Chase Daniels or someone like that because I'm only looking for the temporary backup. If we'd have taken a Sam Darnold or someone else, then my thought process might have been different. But if we're taking a Baker Mayfield, the quarterback that was ready to go from day one, then it, it, it's a different ball game. And obviously, if we take Josh Allen, we needed a quarterback that could play for two years. All right, so we take um, Drew uh, uh, Stanton. We take Baker. Who would be our third quarterback then? 
you might have uh, taken one on round six, round seven. Um, it, it might have been Broby. Broby might have hung around. Um, for me, you've, you've got your three quarterbacks in the room. You've got your starter. You've got your seasoned vet that's going to give knowledge and advice. And then you've got your young kid who might develop into something, might not. Um, and you, that's the way you just keep your room. So next season, we're looking at the established starter will be Baker. The season vet will be Drew Stanton. And then whether we use a pick in sort of round five, six, seven, or an undrafted rookie, or maybe bring back Broby, um, have that sort of potential development prospect. Because who knows, if that backup um, kid becomes something, or even just becomes a, a level where they can be the backup on the roster, then you're in a fantastic position. But it's always worth having sort of your season vet, your Drew Stanton, your Chase Daniels, someone just sat around that is able to give advice and keep an eye on the kids. If Drew Stanton played every single game this season, how many wins do you think the Browns would get? Honestly, don't know. Um, it's difficult to judge because he came in and they've basically not given him any snaps because he's there just as a coach within the room and to give advice and make sure they're um, continuing to develop. I think we'd have won some. He had a good record last season when he came in. Um, I believe for the Cardinals, I want to say. Um, I think it was three and one as a starter. So he can, he can do enough that you obviously never want to turn over to him and have him as your quarterback for the season. But if it was a case of two, three games, he's not going to have done any worse than Tyrod Taylor did. And he's a lot cheaper. Hmm. All right. We'll stay on the quarterbacks. I've still got that two-point part, Jack. Don't worry, I'm going to come back to it in a sec. Um, the... Um... If Mayfield got injured in the second half, just say, so Taylor's off, Mayfield gets injured, who plays quarterback then? Well, there was a, there was a debate on Twitter. Me, I, I float with the idea of Brendan Colquitt. Um, I just think that he's been around a while. You've sometimes got um, punters because they hold um, the ball of snappers. And if you're going to do a trick play, they would generally be the ones that went out and throw it. Um, the other names floated around were Landry and Duke Johnson. Um, I think it's probably unlikely it's Duke Johnson. Um, just because of a size perspective, you're probably looking at someone slightly bigger if you're uh, going to put in a wide receiver. Might have been Landry. Mate, I don't want this to happen, but it'd be interesting to see what would happen. Oh, it's, it's one of them things um, the beat writers could have easily asked him after the game. Unfortunately, just the Browns beat writers. They spent all of last season asking who was going to be the backup quarterback last season, other than like key questions of why didn't Ogan Joby get more snaps last season? And it was so frustrating watching the games. And then you'd, and I've given up. I don't watch news conferences anymore because I just sit there shouting questions and they ask nonsense. But I'd have been shouting at Hugh all of last season. Why is Ogan Joby not getting more snaps? And everyone's like, oh, it's not good enough yet. He's amazing. Do you reckon I could get in the media room when I go to uh, the Browns versus um, the Chargers? I don't think so, but it never hurts. Mate, I'm all about getting through doors. Um, uh, there you go. And uh, a question for Paul Brown there from the Paul Brown podcast. Um, <laughs> what's your question? Uh, uh, Hugh Jackson, what body part are you willing to give up <laughs> for the Browns to win the Super Bowl? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be our new intro. <laughs> well, 
No, I'm not going to say anything. Actually, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. All right, great. Uh, anything else you want to talk about the callbacks, mate? Um, well, since Baker came in, I've had a change of heart on the old prediction front. Mate, you can't do that. Hey, 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 I'll do what I want. Um, you can hold me to the five, but I want to put another one out there because, um, yeah, even though I was saying week four, Baker will be our starter, I've, I've been banging on about that all season, all off season. I'm going to pause you for one second, mate. Mate, you're forgetting one thing. He hasn't Hugh been named Jackson. starter yet. Hugh Jackson, may <laughs> not play Baker next game. <laughs> so don't even think about calling game week four, mate. <laughs> okay, you are you're more cleverer than I thought you are. <laughs> I'm even making quotes now about before Hugh Jackson actually puts that team sheet down. Now, actually, the game starts. You're <laughs> I lost all respect for you, Jack. Well, um, the Browns on, organization obviously, through a uh, communications perspective, knows he's the star because they were sending out emails the next day about buy Baker Mayfield jerseys. <laughs> so, uh, Hugh Jackson is the only person within the Browns organization that is unsure on who's the starting quarterback, which is just a damning indictment of where the Browns are. But Baker's here. I said he'd start week four. I didn't 100% believe it. It was just my like wish, but uh, wishes do come true. So I've had to sit there and look at my predictions. So at the start of the season, I'd predicted, I thought we were going to, there was five games we'd definitely win. There was four that I thought we might stand a chance in, but we'd end up losing and seven losses. So now I've had a re-look at the list and I could even go through and break down what I think of each game. But I'm at six locked in wins. Oh, copy me, go on. Four losses and the one draw. So I'm going to, Here's my record. I'm going to go eight, seven, and one. Mm. Um, big, and big comma. Interesting fact, mate. Done my research before the show. The Panthers they got seven, eight, one, and they made the playoffs. I think this season you could easily see a team get seven or eight wins and make the playoffs in the AFC. And then if you look across the NEC, um, NEC. NFC, you're going to see teams with nine wins not make the playoffs. It's just going to be pissed off, aren't they? So going to be angry. Here we go. Raiders win. Ravens win. Chargers loss. Bucks win. Steelers is one of my 50-50s. Chiefs loss. Falcons loss. Bengals 50-50. Texans win. Panthers 50-50. Broncos 50-50. Bengals win, Ravens 50-50. So, uh, mate, can I have all these 50-50s in there, mate? Like, oh, no, no. I've called, some it, balls. I've called it 8-7-1, so I've got the numbers. But I'm saying there's five, there's five of them games in there where I think we win two of them, we lose three of them. And um, that's coming out 8-7-1. Mm. and, and Nearer game time, I, I, you're still going to get my game-to-game prediction. But uh, just sticking it out there early. And obviously, I've still got that hot take in the back of my pocket that it might be 7-7-2. Seven, seven and two. Um, Because I did predict a Broncos draw. And if that Broncos draw comes true, that is going to be prediction of the year. Jack, you can't just come on every week and make new predictions, then write about it on Twitter, and then end of the season retweet the ones that come good. Mate, the receipts are all there. Come at me with your hate, bro. There's got to be a percentage of predictions made 
and predictions come true. Mate, I can't. Oh, even, cool. We can't even remember the score predictions the day after a game. So uh, <laughs> how are we going to remember all of our takes? Mate, I always win because I always go twenty-one something <laughs> close to twenty-one, mate. Because yeah. Anyway, I'm gonna back. I'm gonna put some input into this. I'm gonna say we're gonna win six with the tie. So we're gonna go. I'm gonna reckon we're gonna go six-one and. I can't work the maths out with this stupid one, but... Um... Do you mean six, nine and one? That's it, mate. Thanks, mate. Yeah, cheers. Eight, seven and one, baby. It's coming home. All right, great. And uh, do you want to discuss this two-point conversion thing now? Uh, well, I was just going to say, uh, two-point conversions is the way to go. Let's ramp them up. Um, you, you saw when Baker came in that whereas when Tyrod's there, the O-line was getting destroyed. And that's because we were running nearly every play straight up the middle or he was throwing for about three or four yards. And what that meant is all four players can rush and more or less the three linebackers can join in. So when you've got the box full of players and you've got potentially six or seven players rushing at your O-line, they're just going to get torn to pieces because the numbers just don't stack up. And as soon as Baker was in there making plays, then three linebackers, their first intention was, we've got to run backwards and cover. So by just making that one change, suddenly the running game opens. And I want to see every time when we get in there, unless it's sort of a kick to tie it up in a close fourth quarter game, I want to be throwing for two points or running for two points. And just every time, don't trust kickers, just throw it or run it. Because you're more likely to convert a two-point chance over 50% of the time than get 100% of your kicker conversions. So get more points, get more wins, get more Super Bowls. So you're telling me, Jack, that Hugh Jackson made a great call at the time to go for two points? I'm crediting Todd Haley. Sorry, mate, I'm going to ask the question again. Are you crediting Hugh Jackson uh, to going for two points is a good thing, yes or no? No. So, mate, you're just, a, you're just a Hugh Jackson hater, mate. No, it's because um, they only did it specifically because they needed two points to catch up in that game and didn't do it at other points. I'm talking about every single opportunity. So, both high touchdowns, we should have attempted two-point conversions because it puts you in a better position to win. Um, I, I'd be reckless with it. And going for it on fourth down, there was times when we could have gone for it on fourth down and we should have gone for it. Don't punt it away. Go for it. Offense, offense, offense. Trust the baker. Get on the train. Let's ride it to the playoffs. I disagree on that because if we went for them four and we didn't get them, we could have lost the game. We, we made the right calls and we won the game. But how do you know they're the right calls? They, they, you, claim, the game. you were probably claiming in the Saints game they were the right calls, but then when Zane didn't make them, they suddenly become the wrong calls. So I'd much rather in... Um, that sort of game, I'd, I'd just go for it. I'd, certainly under Baker and a little bit under Tyrod, I trust our offense more than I trust the kicking game. And it's double points. That extra one point can make the world of difference. All right. Anything else you want to talk about? Two points? Not on two points. That's that's it. Uh, what about the um, wide receiver room? Do you think it's a bit light at the moment? So. I said from day one when uh, we brought in, I can't even remember the chap's name. Who was that sixth wide receiver we brought in? 
Uh, Ratley? No, the sixth one, um, the other day when we let Gordon go. Oh, um... He's obviously that bigger player. None of us can even remember his name. Well, he's going to be gone soon. Um, I'll be shocked. If he was inactive as well for the game. What was that about? Well, he's only just signed, so you, there's no point running him out there because he doesn't know any uh, special team schemes. He doesn't know where to run routes. Um, he, he, he's going to go. Um, I will bring someone in. It wouldn't surprise me if it's Des Bryant. I still think there's an opportunity there. Um, but no, we'll uh, see what happens. Um, but my Landry challenge. Do you want an update on the Landry challenge? Go on, mate. Is Pete Smith going to be happy about this or no? Well... I set Landry the three targets before uh, week one of averaging over 14 yards per catch and 75 yards per game and seven or more touchdowns across the season. So through three weeks, he's just shy on the uh, yards per catch at 13.9. It's unfortunately going down by game, but we'll see what happens. Um, yards per game, you're looking at 92.7. So it's well over on that. But I think one thing will definitely change with that. So whereas Tyrod Taylor, and it made it very easy to defend against Tyrod Taylor's throws, each time he got a chance to throw the ball, he just looked at where Landry was and threw it to Landry. And it was something I said earlier on in the season, before the season, it was a real fear for me that he would only focus in on one receiver and go that way. Baker, as soon as he got a chance... He didn't care who he threw to. He was lighting it up. He was going to everyone. And that makes it really hard as a defence to cover. It also ruins fantasy teams. So a warning to all you guys playing fantasy. Baker's going to throw for more yards, but don't trust many of our receivers because if he's throwing to everyone and spreading it about, suddenly you're going to get lots of players who will get good points. No one's going to get great points. And obviously no touchdowns yet for Landry. So he's definitely in with a shot of making them. And... The challenge is they're very sort of the bottom end of a top eight uh, wide receiver in the NFL in terms of salary. So they should all be achievable. Will he make them? Who knows? But it's definitely a lot more promise than what we saw when he played for the Dolphins. So um, even though he's not yet convincing me, I've definitely seen more in three games than he ever produced in four years. So you're excited, yeah? Optimistic rather than excited. Okay. Um, the guy's called Rod Stretter. That's him. Yeah, I doubt he'll be there on Tuesday. Look at our wide receiver room at the moment. We've got uh, Callaway, Landry, Higgins. That's it. Then we haven't seen much of Ratley, have we? He's, he's a sixth-round pick and a developmental prospect, so I wouldn't be expecting to see anything from him. He's sort of your sixth wide receiver who you hope over the year can grasp the playbook, maybe come on in a couple of... Uh, situations but probably he's got to be playing special teams if he wants to hang around mm. and then obviously Derek uh, Willies oh, just, I, I still don't know Duke Johnson though I've, um, I was re-watching the game today of, in the All-22 just the second half I uh, skipped um, everything up until back I did the same <laughs> and uh, it. one thing I noticed um was Duke Johnson getting more and more snaps. Obviously, he didn't get many targets and he did make a mistake with the stupid fumble. But he was getting in on the uh, wide receiver routes. And for me, just moving to slot receiver. We've got two good um, 
running backs. Obviously, use Duke Johnson as a third down running back. But for all the other plays, move him to wide receiver. Let's get the most out of him because he's a talent. If you're going to run someone in an underneath route, give him the ball. And he just does, he does things. I can't explain it. He just players miss and he goes for more yards. So. Mm. All right. And what's, what's this um, new guy we signed yesterday? So he's a linebacker called Hines. Um, he was an undrafted free agent this year um, and he went to the Chargers but didn't make their roster. Started off as a high school quarterback and then when he went to college, they initially tried him out at wide receiver before deciding that linebacker was the better fit. He's uh, six foot one, 230 pounds, um, comes from Texas. Um, it's interesting. He, he's racked up some good stat lines um, in terms of tackles. Um, not that much hype around him. I Honestly, I, when um, we brought in Zettel, um, I called that one. I would say a great call. That's probably my first really good call of the season. Um, we got rid of Neary on the O-line and we sort of loaded up with one more sort of D lineman than we really needed. And I spent the time that I think it would be a case of we're just going to decide which one we don't want to keep. And that's been, I want to say, Odin Gingbo. I'm rubbish with names. Um, so he's moved on. And then we picked up this guy. And I think he's mainly just there because you've got the Kirksey and Burgess injuries. So when they're back, they'll let go of one of the linebackers that they less fancy and you're going to see another O-lineman added. So it's probably just sort of that 53rd roster spot that they're playing about with. Um, so expect this guy to sort of be there for injury cover and then uh, be gone soon. Or they might get rid of someone else in the room that they uh, don't fancy. Mm. So what's he done, mate? What's he killed? Who's he raped? You know, come on, mate, tell, tell me... <laughs> We always we always get something wrong with someone. Drugs? What's his drug problem like? There's got to be he, something wrong with the guy. He appears to be well behaved. Um, it's who knows. Um, he's a intelligent old chap. Earned a master's degree, um, and a bachelor's degree. So um, no, it's, it seems very promising. So uh, no, we'll, we'll, we'll find out what happens with him. So oh. it, it could be the case that he shines and um, someone else then goes on, whether it's Burgess or um, I'm trying to think, who, who's our sixth linebacker? It's a Kerry. Oh, now you're asking. Burgess. I thought Burgess is the fifth. I'll come back to you in a minute. Let's just use what Google says. It's, uh, it's, it's a room that you can get change and obviously if we remember last year no one was really expecting that much out of Joe Schober and then the world changed um, so our oh it's, Tanner. it's a special teams guy um, Tanner, Tanner Vallejo mm -hmm. so it wouldn't surprise me if he's moved on so you're looking at our linebacker room Kirksey Collins Schobert then Gennard Avery, Burgess, Tanner, Vallejo and Hines. So I haven't seen anything really from this Tanner guy that special on special teams. 
So I wouldn't be surprised if Hines beats him out if he shows some promise and uh, hangs around. Mm, okay, cool. Well, Jack, that's our 50th show, mate. Big 5-0. What do you want to see more of going forward, mate? Baker Mayfield touchdowns. Besides, let's just forget Baker for two minutes, mate. Shake and bake. Oh, shake and bake. Let's just calm down. The show going forward, anything you like? Um, I've just really liked the guests chatting to people. Obviously, we need to keep mixing up the questions, so we need the fans to send us some questions. I thought the Metcalf one worked really well because we sort of gave people a heads up and uh, said, guys, let us know anything you want to ask these people. And um, no, if we try to throw some uh, fan questions in there each show, because obviously we've got questions that we want to ask, and uh, it's about asking our questions because that's why we do it. But uh, we also want to get your guys' questions in as well because hey, it's uh, sharing is caring. Yeah, I want more sound effects on the podcast. Jack, come on, mate. Sound Edit effects. <laughs> Editing takes me enough time to take out your dodgy takes, your like weird uh, misses. No, actually, I'll leave them all in. Um, my girlfriend. Oh, okay. Um, okay, I want more music. More music? Yeah. And I want, I want another game to play. I want another like um, classic 1980s TV show game to go on the show. Well, I think some fans are going to have to send a soundtrack and you, you can go out, chase some soundtracks and send me what you want. And uh, depending on how I feel, it might go in the show. But like of higher, lower players, I don't know. Anyway. Guess the stat. So, yes, if anyone's got any ideas, some game shows we can put in there. We've got the bingo machine that's going really well. I know Jack well, loves it. When you remember to close the hatch. <laughs> <laughs> People like drama. I've told you this before, Jack. Um, but yeah, love you then. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm just gonna keep trying to bring the biggest guests on we possibly can. Obviously, trying to do what I can with a few partnerships with a few uh, people. Keep it independent. Keep it sponsorship free. Keep it international. Keep it fun. And maybe add a bit more content. But That's your job, Jack. And listenable because. Uh, we, we don't need hour-long pods again. All right, well, look, change is coming. I want to finish off with saying a big thanks, first of all, to our number one listeners, okay? We are nothing without them. So listeners, fans, thank you very much. And I'm just going to shout out some of the names who have been on the show just to make sure they feel special too. So um, one of our first major guests, John Costco, absolute legend. Jake Burns, I think it's the uh, only, per- only person that's been on twice. Him and Dan Davis. Yep. Well, Dan Davis is part of the team, so he's not going to mention. Aww. He's in Singapore at the moment. Um, who else we've had on there? Obviously, Pete Smith. Uh, Doug Lazenrace. Um, Jeff Risden, legend. And Jeff Lloyd. Jeff Lloyd, I think he just did his first year on Locked On yesterday. Congratulations to him. Uh, one person I never got to speak to was um, Fred Gretham. You got all the limelight on that show, mate. You were hanging upside down at the time. 
Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Eric McCarth, obviously. Who else we had on here that... Oh, Brown's Babe. Kelly, don't forget One Kelly. Kelly, head of British Bulldogs, Backers, Britain, Bonanza. You, you I that wrong. her to the head of, she's the vice president. Oh, good. And uh, Mark Sessler, Matthew Lawless. Oh, here's something for you. We had our first podcast smash the 200 barrier. Um, yeah. Absolutely smashed it. The post game shows are going really, really well. So, massive thank you guys for all those that are coming and listening to them because uh, no, I saw that when I woke up this morning. Absolutely smashed it. We've sort of tinkered around the 200 mark. We blew it out of uh, sea this week. So, uh, love it. Hey, with, with success equals higher numbers. So, that's good. And I just. I want to finally finish off by saying thanks to all the international fans. Thanks to everyone in London that's come on to the show. And, um, yeah, next stop's Big 100. Excellent. Big 5-0. Done. Change is coming, guys. Change in the name of Baker Mayfield. Change.